it's got to be more than coincidence. I was uh, thinking about the sermon and the text uh, the other night, and I went to sleep, and I had a dream that there was something that I didn't get done. And then by the morning, I couldn't remember the dream. I just remembered the shame <laughs> that I hadn't done something right. But it reminded me of a dream I had three years ago when I worked on this same text. It was a very vivid dream. I was at a different church somewhere for somebody's ordination. And it had a huge Christmas tree right in the middle of the chancel, like right there. And you had to almost peek around it to, to see people. It was very strange. But there were Lutheran ministers all robed up and stole from, from uh, everywhere. But I was in charge of having the uh, order of service bulletin for this, for this ordination service. And I couldn't find it. And so all these Lutheran ministers are sitting up front in their stoles, and Bishop Guffian is there with the bishop's crozier, you know, and the whole nine yards. And uh, people are sitting there. It's time for the service to start, and I cannot find that. The bulletins are the order of worship. And finally, Bishop Guffian looks at me and says, Well, Cal, and then I wake up. <laughs> And I was filled with shame. I thought, oh, I screwed up the whole ordination service. And it was a similar dream. A lot of our dreams have to do with strong emotion. This one was fear. And uh, fear of failure, actually, dream. And it's similar to the other one I told you about where I stand in front of you and I, and I realize I don't remember anything and I go, I got nothing. This is similar to that. It's a fear of failure dream. Our dreams are oftentimes very vivid, and, and, they are, and they are important. And in the gospel lesson for today, this is really borne out. It starts out with the announcement of the angel Gabriel to Mary that she was pregnant by the Holy Spirit and that she was going to bear the Christ child. And she, she took this very well. She was probably only 14, 15 years old at the most. That's when young women got betrothed in that culture. And she took it very well and said, uh, let it be with you as, as you will. I am the handmaiden of the Lord. And we give Mary great credit for that. And she is called the most blessed woman ever. So we, we give her the, the credit that she is due. Well, Lutherans don't do quite as well, but we try to give her credit. And so she saw the angel Gabriel and she believed that. But Joseph then didn't know about all this really and Joseph was going to divorce her quietly uh, and, and this is taking the high road because he could have had her publicly stoned to death if he had wanted to for adultery so Joseph was doing he was called a righteous man he was doing the the grace-filled thing to just you know put her away quietly and not disgrace her publicly or have her killed so he was going to do that and then the angel of the Lord showed up in a dream and said to him, Don't do that, Joseph. Go ahead. Take Mary to be your wife. The child is from the Holy Spirit. You know, marry her and, uh, you know, you've got, you've got the, the Messiah here in your family. And so Joseph did. Joseph did. Well, we need to give Joseph some credit, too. And in fact, when you think about it, I, I think we maybe should give Joseph more credit even than Mary, Mary's obedience, because... You notice I slipped this in. The angel of the Lord appeared to Mary, but the angel of the Lord appeared to Joseph in a dream. 
Now that's a lot different. If you have, the, you have the angel Gabriel standing in front of you and you're awake, that's pretty impressive. But if you have the angel Gabriel come to you in a dream, you might question that a little bit more, might you not? That takes a little more, that takes a little more guts to, to act on that. But he did. And then it's not that many verses later, the same thing happens. The angel of the Lord comes to him in a dream and says, you need to go to Egypt, flee to Egypt, because Herod is insanely jealous of a possible king rival for his throne, and he wants to kill the Christ child. Go to Egypt. Joseph packs up, goes to a foreign country where he has nobody and no job, and he goes there based solely on a dream. Now, don't you think that's pretty impressive? And if that is true, and it is, then would it not make sense that maybe we look at dreams as being a little more important than we have thought in the past. Because in our history, in Judaism and in Christianity, dreams were always thought to be very, very important. There are at least a dozen examples in the Old and New Testament of people making momentous decisions based solely on dreams. Joseph and the other Joseph, Jacob, David, Peter, Ezekiel, there's all kinds of examples of people making precipitous choices based solely on dreams. Morton Kelsey wrote a book that was entitled Dreams, A Way of Listening to God. And in that book, he said that we are missing out on something that for centuries, the Christian church and Judaism before it have utilized as a conduit to God a way of God speaking to us in our unconscious. Our brain doesn't shut off when we sleep. And you may have noticed this, that you may have had a, a problem or something you couldn't figure out, and, and then you go to sleep and you wake up and you go, I know what I'm going to do. Well, where did that come from? Your brain keeps working, and God can keep working through your unconscious and your dreams to get to you. So there's a lot of things that could be gained by this. And Morton Kelsey is saying, we have all but abandoned dreams to psychiatrists when they have been useful for centuries for us to have closer relationship to God. And he, is an, he encourages people to do that. So, here's a personal example. When I did my uh, chaplaincy residency at the North Dakota State Hospital, our supervisor, who was a Lutheran minister, Al Shervey said to us, uh, he said, I want you to enhance your understanding of yourself and God by dealing with your dreams. And I thought, <laughs> come on, Al. He said, no. I said, well, I don't even remember my dreams. He said, you can. He said, here's what I want you to do. Every night before you go to sleep, I want you to tell your, give yourself permission to remember your dreams. And when you give yourself permission enough times, eventually you'll start remembering your dreams. And when you do that, I want you to have a pad and pencil on your nightstand so that when you wake up, you write it down because by morning your brain, uh, you know, erases the whiteboard and you, you start over usually. So write these things down and then we'll bring some of these to the chaplaincy group and we will discuss this and see what it means for you and God. Now, I, I, I was pretty skeptical, i got to tell you, on that. But I started doing it, and it actually, it, it actually worked. And uh, I was able to write things down. It was amazing what I was able to find out about myself. If, if not God, at least found out a lot of things about myself. 
Because generally, our dreams will show one central emotional struggle. The ones I told you about were fear, but it could be longing, it could be joy, it could, there, there could, it could be a lot of different things. It could be, you know, uh, questioning or wondering, and, and we look for that central struggle. So, this is my thought. Rather than going to the psychic hotline, or the, you know, looking up your horoscope, or paying more attention to the fortune cookies you get when you eat Chinese food, Hey, by the way, this happened yesterday. I, went, I was in Tipton, and I stopped at the Chinese restaurant there, which is better than others. And uh, I had, I had uh, uh, you know, my meal. But then at the end, I got the Chinese fortune cookie. And guess what it said? It said, uh, it said, the prepared speaker is always confident. And I thought, I've got to go practice my sermon a little bit more. I mean, so I can be confident. And then I thought, well, okay, okay, Chinese fortune cookies, horoscopes. What, what about dreams? Wouldn't that be a much more practical way to, to look at things? So here is my suggestion to you. Um, you can do it or not, do it as you will, but I, I think it's worth a try. Give yourself permission to remember your dreams. Every night, you have to do it for, it doesn't happen the first two nights you do this. Give yourself permission every night to remember your dreams. Keep your pad and pencil as Chaplain Shirvey told us, by the bed. Write it down. And then look for the central emotional struggle in that dream. There's a lot of extraneous weird things that come in dreams, like the huge Christmas tree at that church that I was at that you couldn't see around. I, that, I, I paid that really very little attention. Uh, so there's a lot. You meet people that you know you can't meet. and you know, I Get rid of the weird extraneous stuff. Look for the central emotional struggle that you have. And if you don't understand it or aren't very good at interpreting it, talk about it to other people. Or, last resort, you could share it with me. I'm actually pretty decent at this. Uh, and, and, and see what the Lord is trying to say to you. Advent is a time of being open to receive Christ in our lives. It is a time of, of being ready for Him to come to us. And there's a lot of ways He does that, through word and sacrament, through the people we meet and the faces who are in need. But one other way that we, the Lord is trying to come to us, I believe, is through our dreams. Let's let him in. Amen. Now may the peace of God, which passes all understanding, keep your hearts and minds through Christ Jesus. Amen.